Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Films Podcast. Uh, this is Rahul Desai, a uh, film critic for Film Companion. I have with me, as usual, Uday Bhatia, film critic for Mint. Uh, we will, this is, of course, towards the end of the year, um, last few podcasts. We are also building up towards, um, you know, one of, maybe we'll talk about our favorite films this year at the end of the year. Um, this is, um, uh, we didn't do a podcast last week so we are going to be discussing arguably the biggest film of the year Avatar The Way of Water which is the sequel to Avatar James Cameron uh, we both of us were actually at a film festival last week and we came back uh, a couple of days ago and managed to watch it on Saturday uh, Uday in Delhi me in Bombay and um, Uday has reviewed it even I sort of written about it which will uh, which so we actually don't know what we feel about the film yet uh, Uday I haven't read your review yet and uh, also because I was writing on myself um, so obviously just uh, 13 years after the first film highest grossing film of all time there's not much we need to say about the first avatar really uh, um, just before we get into the discussion for Way of Water uh, which is by the way out in screens all over the world um, were there any memories of the first one? So uh, I think it was my first film in 3D. I'm I'm pretty sure I hadn't seen a I 3D film was, before I that. Pretty, I thought everyone's first film in 3D was like Chota Chetan or something. I, I, I did not watch Chota Chetan. But you didn't I, watch. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, from the beginning, I started watching those films almost knowing that I'd be reviewing the most obscure films later, but take a good uh, Avatar first film 3D is a great start. Actually. Yeah, and I mean, obviously it was uh, crazy to you know start with that because um, I mean it's it's an astonishing thing to see in the theater that and this film. I mean, it just in terms of like a transporting experience. Uh, there's really no one that does, you know, that the way Cameron does in these two films. And uh, I, I did like it a lot, even though, you know, even back then when I, I, I wasn't a film critic yet, but uh, I knew enough to know that it it, it wasn't uh, what I looked for in a movie, uh, like to, uh, you know, beyond a point. Uh, and that it may not uh, translate that well on the small screen, and that's exactly what happened. In mm. the sense that when I uh, when I tried to revisit it later uh, on TV, it just wouldn't really grip me. I could never really sit through it. I don't think I've ever watched um, Avatar, the first Avatar, through uh, after the first time that I saw it. I think that was it in the hall. I, I saw it through, and then the you know after that I've I've seen like stretches of it, but never the whole thing because it's never it's never gripped gripped me uh, on a small screen. Yeah, same here. Um, I mean, I, I watched it back like with everyone. Probably the whole world watched it together, which uh, sort of explains the box office collection back then. But yeah, I, I remember it was sort of a very. Um, it, it, it was a great experience to watch it in the theatres. I remember watching it in 3D and IMAX here in Bombay. Um, and it, it was it was quite an experience. But the, I mean, I'm also going to say that I didn't remember much of it after, say, around a few days after watching it. I remember already moving on to, you know, 
given that twitter wasn't such a big deal then or social media wasn't as sort of discourse sort of heavy as it was uh, back then as is, as it is right now uh, i i remember that it, it it was fun while i watched it i didn't feel like going for it the second time like i normally would say after a big screen experience a nolan film or or, or a, even a spielberg film for that matter uh, so i i remember watching it for the first time and not watching it after that again neither in theaters and tv to i haven't even dared like i i know it's streaming somewhere i haven't even watched it for the sake of the second film i just read about it mostly i haven't even watched stretches like you did um mostly because of the reason you mentioned it's obviously not gripping on a screen on on any screen smaller than you know the the theater screens and um also i wasn't i'd say i wasn't a massive fan of the first film in sense of you know like having in sense of my favorite big screen experiences in the last three decades or whatever because um, i i was in awe of like you know what cameron achieved and the technology like like most people like uh, it's it's very immersive it was it was new back then and it was path breaking for its time but uh, for some reason i haven't really felt the need to revisit that experience because also and after that i feel like the landscape of visual so or blockbuster hollywood also sort of changed they started churning out a lot of uh, the visual effects uh, heavy and the 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 vf and in general like the entire superhero franchise took off i think after 2007 8 only it started becoming really sort of dense and heavy uh, and it started like coming into cinemas almost every week there was a new big screen experience so i guess part of the reason why i wasn't even curious to revisit avatar was because of that even though you know it was it was considerably a, a you know different experience compared to a lot of these marvel films that we see these days uh, but uh, yeah that that's pretty much about like i mean I, i sort of heard it was in the the second film was in the making or going to be in the making back in 2014 and of course it's been in the making forever officially since 2016 or 17 we know cameron's been uh, sort of um, shooting two films together um after 2 and 3 and uh, the way of water is finally here uh, uh there are few lines about just the premise not that it's very important because it's uh, because it pretty much goes the way we expected to in terms of how the story moves forward from the first avatar even a decade later but yeah few lines before we sort of get into your feelings and our feelings about it uh yeah so um i mean uh, i'm assuming uh, most people were seen the first film so we it sort of picks up um a little bit after that and uh, uh, jake and uh, netiri have now uh, started a family they have uh, two sons uh, netiam and loak and a daughter uh, took and an adopted daughter uh, kiri who is born uh, of uh, grace um in uh, grace uh, being the um, sigourney weaver uh, character from the first film who is now in this sort of comatose state and the circumstances of her birth are kept uh, vague in this film uh, and will probably be explained um uh, in one of the sequels uh and uh, anyways so she's uh, uh, she's the second daughter and um uh, they so they're sort of in this sort of, uh, blissful uh, life on, on pandora 
uh, in the, the rainforests that they, that they were in in the first film, and uh, it's all very beautiful. But of course, the humans uh, return, and they're better prepared. And uh, the person leading the mission to take out uh, Jake, who's now the chief of of his uh, tribe, uh, is the uh, same um, uh, colonel from the first film, uh, Miles Corich. Uh, uh, and uh, he's uh, come back now as as uh, as uh, an avatar, as Jake did in the first film, except he's sort of like an even more powerful uh, avatar, and uh, he's he's out for revenge. And um, yeah, and the humans, um, or as they're known, the Sky People, are out to colonize uh, Pandora. The uh, unobtainium from the first film, which was the yeah. whole. Uh, uh, you know the whole point of the first film is completely. It's I don't think it's even mentioned once in this whole film. Yeah, no, it isn't. Instead, there's a, there's this age-defying portion called Amrita, which, which sounded really weird when I heard it on the big screen. Taken from yeah. the brain enzymes of these creatures uh, that we see in this first film. So that's as far as. You know, the greed of colonization goes, that's all that's been mentioned. There's no unobtainium this time. No unobtainium. They want to uh, colonize Pandora and make it a second home for humanity uh, or something. And um, yeah, so anyways, the uh, this uh, the, the humans sort of um, uh, land and they, uh, they send Quaritch and uh, uh, they uh, don't quite get uh, Jake and his family, um, but uh, they scare them enough that Jake decides to move uh, himself and and his family to um, to a different place so that they takes the heat off uh, his tribe. Uh, and uh, where they go is to an aquatic, um, semi-aquatic reef dwelling uh, tribe. Uh, and uh, they ask them to take them in, and after a bit of um, after a bit of uh, uh, you know uh, hesitation, they they do do that because Jake has this reputation as the rebel leader who uh, who defeat, defeated the humans. And uh, suddenly, then uh, we are in the water, and we stay there for the next uh, two hours of of the film. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's pretty much it. It's all about the family's integration into this uh, reef-dwelling community, which is obviously, you know, uh, ripe with challenge and, and, and them sort of learning the ways of water, so to say. And um, at the same time, obviously, an attack is imminent because the colonel will eventually find them and will also unleash you know hell on them like we like he did in the first film as well so uh so yeah there, there are a bunch of new characters because of obviously because of the reef welling community uh kate winslet voices one of them which i did know till the end of the film actually uh, yeah everyone's was, kind of finding that out after, after yeah this film. i was just looking like at the cast and i was quite surprised to know that uh, she is the wife of the leader of this commu new community and she's pregnant. Uh, I'm guessing we'll see more of her in the next uh, next couple of sequels as well. Um, yeah, the, so that's uh, that's the narrative arc. It's pretty simple. Uh, it's almost a repetition of the first film, but again, you know, you're putting a fam the family in, uh, in a more alien situation because they are within their own planet or within their own little world 
they are having to move uh, and exile themselves in order to protect their community and it's all about them sort of having to pull together so it's it's a very family uh, themed uh, sort of film and as we saw in one of the first teasers our families our fortress became sort of a catchphrase for this film which which holds toward till the end of the film uh, uh, you know i wasn't entirely convinced about the way they executed that theme uh, you know right off the bat like for me after the way of water did not work not even 50% of what the first film did like i actually found myself pretty restless throughout the film it was of course it's hard to sort of talk about this film without mentioning um without mentioning its sort of visual language without mentioning its ambition and uh, and it sort of um, the the sort of leaps and the wild swings it takes in terms of uh, how the film looks and it is quite immersive in that sense but even on that level i was struggling to really get engaged with the film maybe so i mean disclaimer i didn't watch it on an imax screen maybe that might have mattered um but you know of course even as a 3d film it did feel considerably more different than the lot of post converted synthetic synthetic 3d extravaganzas that we've been seeing you know in super superhero films over the years that just hike up the ticket prices and nothing else here it's very organic very uh, natural but I, i i will say that it was one of my sort of biggest disappointments of the year because i i really found it um, i really found the last one one and a half hours difficult to sit through it could be a lot of fatigue of the last 10 years the way you've been watching action films adventure and fantasies all sort of morph into each other after a while and up, and for a, an hour or maximum an hour and a half um, what cameron achieves in terms of you know technology in terms of uh, the shiel visual grandeur of pandora and this new water world that he's created holds for an hour hour and a half but after a while it's 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 very uh, it's it becomes very apparent that there's not much else to it like there there's the great 3d there's the lovely underwater sequences uh, which i didn't think were as lovely as a lot of people are thinking uh, a lot of people are sort of uh, talking about it didn't hit me the way i wanted it to hit me i guess that also uh, sort of stems from my expectations of james cameron as a as a blockbuster filmmaker but uh, but but yeah uh, there was nowhere to escape after a while and you you sort of felt the repetition in the way the narrative was unfolding in the fight sequences in the even in the nice little fantasy sequences in the water and the way they were uh, the, the the creatures and the the children the way they were sort of developing into these teenagers who would obviously take the baton as the sequels come um it all felt like been there done that and even though we haven't really seen something like this before i did feel a sense of deja vu even visually like because of the way a lot of filmmakers have pushed the envelope in the last 10 or 12 years and i'm not just talking about um you know the amount of time cameron took to develop the technology to even make this film uh to the audience that doesn't really matter as long as you give them a good sort of very immersive and very you sort of mind blasting experience and that tends to happen quite often these days and for me the my experience of watching this film as that uh, as the film it's supposed to be watched as was considerably diluted uh, uh, and and you know the writing didn't really help so i i i sort of almost i didn't take down notes during the film and within half an hour i was already after watching the film i was already struggling to remember what happened in it or remember in great detail what i felt during the sequences whether my mind whether 
it whether my breath was sort of taken away by some shots some moments uh, and you know come to think of it i could say the same about the first avatar but that had the advantage of uh, novelty and sort of being a first mover now we already know about the world of avatar about pandora so this introducing the water world in in general felt like obviously the only way to go but it um, but you know i i'd have to say i've seen more um, i i've seen more arresting uh, visually striking sort of films over there mostly from filmmakers like del toro and all who have a visual language and know how to weave it into a narrative i felt like cameron sort of uh for me at least um, just this fable of making the film sort of overwhelm the film itself so you're absolutely um, right in the sense that you know the difference between what you know the first and second avatar was that was it was then a novelty it made 3d the you know the it ma- it mainstreamed it 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 was no longer a gimmick it was something that every big commercial film would at least have to consider even if they didn't do it uh, and um, that kind of effects heavy film the kind of you know the like now they say that you know watch it in the theater that came after avatar it there was never really this thought that you know before that i mean obviously there were these big special effects films and all uh through the you know through the 90s and 2000s and all so it's not like they didn't exist but the idea that they could not work if you saw them in any other space that was something i think that only came after avatar and that really that that's how it really changed filmmaking for the i mean i think for the worse but that was the one of the big, big, biggest changes that it brought about uh that said uh i i liked uh, the second uh this uh, way of water better than the first one uh i do admit it was pretty long and uh, it it did take time but i wasn't um, it didn't lose me and um, i really uh, i mean i was just i i was really immersed in the world that he created and uh, it's just it feels so organic and it feels so uh it feels like you could touch it the 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 world that he has especially when we reach the water uh mm-hmm. and uh, it's 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 almost like watching a terence malick film but mm-hmm. uh, you have to you have to remember that these are everything is created mm-hmm. nothing is natural every single thing is made up and i could see why it would take that long for him to work up the technology and and figure out how to make this thing look so you know realized uh, mm. uh and uh, because it's it's so different i i cannot think of another effects heavy film um that has this kind of richness in terms of the uh, you know in terms of portraying a natural world uh is so what what i think effects films have done since avatar was that they they've gone bigger and they've gone louder so you know in terms of scale they've 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 tried to go as far as possible and i think cameron instead of doing that in this uh instead tries to make it richer uh more detailed and he tries to kind of zoom in so it's not like he doesn't do the scale but he also just adds so much depth to the smaller things that it forms this really tactile world 
and i was just um, i was really stunned by that and so while i thought the you know the the storytelling was very simplistic uh, the dialogue is as bad as it was in the first film the characters are pretty much archetypes and the acting isn't very interesting and those are huge things so it uh, you know brings down my experience of the film is not like it's going to be my on my list of best films of the year but i was completely immersed and uh, yeah i mean i i could imagine going back to see it in the theater because uh, i don't think i'll ever see it once it comes out of theaters because there's no way i'm going to watch this on a small screen but i could sit through it again if i had to uh, in the hall Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm listening to you and sort of almost wishing that I felt the same way because if there's one thing you'd want to feel about an Avatar film or about a James Cameron film in general is being immersed. And you know he's a master at that. And you know even when he's not gone all out like he has with Avatar for the last fifteen years, it's always been uh, at the center of his language and and the way he makes films. He creates worlds, and it's it's very. rare to have an original creator in this era right like because we've seen the last decade decade and a half and the way uh, it's sort of adaptations and 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 remakes and and basically all sort of ip from comic books and from old films and everything is derived and borrowed or inspired or um, and everything is uh, um, make a sort of version of something previous that existed even the superhero movies that we spawn over so often and that have earned billions of dollars in the world and for that alone cameron was already in a winning position in terms of avatar because he's as you said and as we all know that it, it, he's created everything from scratch every frame every grain uh, did not exist before that it's not adapted from it's not based on anything um, and you know for that alone he's in a winning position and that's that's why so many people went to watch avatar and even though they won't really count it as some of the uh, uh, or one of the best films they've ever seen maybe 10 years or 20 years down the line like 2009 film i'm talking about um they will always remember uh, mostly how they felt while they were watching the film for the first time and and i guess that's what he tries to accomplish i don't think he's trying to um he's trying to make uh, the kind of cinema i mean all filmmakers do try to make this kind of cinema that endure and that will be recalled in the history of film but uh, but his kind of filmmaking is very uh, is very out there and it's 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 always as you said it's always trying to give a sense of purism to the blockbuster landscape compared to a lot of other uh, uh, in relation to a lot of uh, of what else we are seeing out there and and for me when i went into avatar 2 and started watching it that's that's what it reminded me of it reminded me a little of what a film like top gun maverick means to the environment right to the sort of system right now to the as to us as movie going audiences who were maybe born in the 80s and grew up in the 90s or born in the 70s and grew up in the 80s what the hollywood blockbuster or what the big budget extravaganza what what um a piece of uh, you know action filmmaking fantasy filmmaking can mean even now in 2022 so for me i looked at avatar 2 through the lens of before this was of course before watching it it, it i was already rooting for it because of 
its significance and because of how top gun sort of reminded us that still good old fashioned entertainment and sort of uh, vfx can be used in a way which is coherent and can still thrill you um, you know to your bones without really you know blasting you off the earth uh, like a lot of the superhero movies do um, and that's why we enjoy top gun maverick uh, earlier this year and that's why you know tom cruise is back in conversation because he's been very doggedly pursuing a certain brand of superstardom that's based entirely on a sort of dumb action but he does it better than anybody else does and i feel like cameron is to the filmmaking environment uh, to hollywood in general to world cinema in general what tom cruise is as a superstar to to you know the system also and and cameron has doggedly pursued this avatar despite knowing uh, how the landscape has changed in the last 15 years and despite knowing how much visual effects how much um, technology has pushed the envelope and how every film has told every story that's ever been possible to be told in an innovative manner and most of them have had very visually extravagant moments most of them have had uh, uh, you know uh, very memorable moments and still despite that he sort of stuck with it and and that i i've always admired and that i even ended up writing a piece when i first saw the teaser of the of this avatar film that you know this could mean something uh, very good even though ironically as you said the first avatar sort of set off a brand of uh, filmmaking that may not have been for the better this might be a course correction of sorts uh, for a landscape that is just absolutely drowning in uh, vfx uh, sort of adaptations and remakes and and that um, for me while while I was watching avatar 2 even though i wasn't enjoying it as much the the sort of sense of pureness and clarity that you mentioned and the fact that he go the extra mile to make something look authentic even though it's made entirely by technology and by technological advances and by sort of cutting edge technique uh, I, i thought that is you know that's obviously uh, the work of a mad perfectionist and and it is um, i mean that story for me is always more potent than what i watched on screen and uh, and you know what i watched on screen i did find myself questioning wondering if that extra effort was always worth it because because you know we we do know about the story of all the actors sort of taking free diving lessons and going through hell to prepare for these roles as mm-hmm. essentially as blue skinned people right like and and you know uh, people that could have been made entirely by digital animation uh, and we wouldn't and most audiences wouldn't know the difference that cameron even gives us the credit to know the difference is a big deal but you know i'm i'd have to say i did not feel much of the difference or the effort except for a few sequences with my favorite character in the film which was the whale i'm going to call him the whale for now uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah he was my favorite character in the film because i thought that would be a spin off i would definitely be interested in and i'd only want cameron to make it but uh, yeah I, I, it's 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 always i always felt like i felt like while watching this film that um, cameron is, was very aware of what this film might mean in terms right. of in terms of this this thing that i just mentioned and it feels like there's a self awareness and there's almost a smugness to to the way every scene has been created like it's every every scene is almost designed to be memorable and for me that's why nothing ended up being uh, memorable and and that was uh, it felt like that it was already made knowing where it stands and that for me was sort of a deal breaker 
That's fair. Um, I I think that could have been saved by better writing, better performances. Uh, hmm. Just you know the the other parts of film craft which now seem to sort of take a back seat if you are this sort of mad genius uh, image creator. I think, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, it's uh, that said, you know, things like um, I, I, I found myself thinking of Denny Villeneuve uh, very weirdly in this because mm-hmm. he, to my mind, is the only other or one of the only other people who makes films on a really large scale who has an immense visual imagination. Uh, but I always feel like his worlds are a little less lived in and like like I can see the, you know, his sort of... Um, like his Blade Runner, for example. I always felt that... Uh, uh, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner was the more inhabited world, even mm-hmm. though Villano's one like looked insane. Uh, it, it, but I can imagine people living in Ridley Scott's one, and I uh, whereas you know this uh, Villano's film look almost like art installments, like they're so perfect and so beautiful. Uh, and uh, I uh, I feel with Cameron's uh, words is also that he has this sort of ability to make them look inhabited. And um, water, again, you know, just the idea that, you know, he's he's created a water world for two hours and a, and a very convincing one to my mind. It's not easy to do it. You, uh, we saw Black Panther uh, a couple of months back when it released. And uh, those were not very convincing sequences. The underwater ones, whenever it went underwater, things were murky and it didn't quite, you know, it it didn't have the conviction that uh, the film had above water. And and those were like maybe, what, 15, 20 minutes at the most, the underwater kingdom. And uh, you can tell that if it had to do that for like an hour, that film really would not have uh, worked I mean, to the extent that it works. Mm. Yeah, th- that's right. And also, yeah, Black Panther, glad you mentioned that because um, obviously that was, you know, very VFX heavy. The characters weren't actually underwater. They were actually, obviously, a lot of superimposition, digital, whatever techniques you want to call them, you call them. But uh, yeah, so here, obviously, that is more authentic in a sense because Cameroon is crazy. And he actually made his actors sort of do a lot of stuff underwater and a lot of what we see is real. And and that um, that purism, even as a filmmaker that he is, which is basically working on the scale that he does or the palette does it do, that he does is, is incredible in 2022 to even, it's basically insisting that, you know, you remain a test match cricketer, even though there are a lot of T20 stars around you. And right, uh, right. Uh, and that that's I've always and I noticed a lot of details in this film. The way the characters, for example, um, swim underwater, react underwater, and you can feel their lungs hollowing a little with every sort of um, action sequence or with every sort of uh, um, you know move towards the bottom of the ocean or towards the water bed, uh, towards the bed, um, and it that obviously that that sense of realism even within this world of fantasy is, as you said, a very difficult thing to do. And 
um if you are appreciate of those details this will of course moments of this film will be very uh, rewarding for just how far a filmmakers willing to go to keep you um to keep you in that particular environment and this environment doesn't exist anywhere he has conjured it up out of thin air but uh, but again i feel like i've reached a stage where and i'm going to get black panther back here because um i feel like i've reached a stage where i'd rather have 15 to 20 to 30 minutes of bad vfx but like very good writing and good characterization and uh, very fleshed up sort of uh, arcs and you know a theme a definite theme rather than uh, mind you know like rather than path breaking sort of visual effects and 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 craft and you know having half baked writing and just assuming that the audiences it will tide them over the what they see on screen will tide them over and you can just write sort of a very basic simplistic story uh, with simplistic dialogue and that will be enough and cameron wasn't exactly like this earlier you know if you think about terminator or titanic or alien or anything that he's ever made which has been big um i mean i think titanic is the start of this i i i didn't think titanic was a well written film or a, you know particularly sophisticated storytelling i think titanic kind of leads to avatar but uh, certainly the earlier cameron of uh, aliens uh, terminator 2 even true lies uh, yeah. is a very uh, rewatchable and much wittier cameron yeah. than the you know the than the blockbuster like the the sort of myth of like the superhuman guy who will like every film he makes will sort of be the highest grossing film ever that that cameron is kind of uh, boring to me as well and uh, i mean that kind of so both of these things were tugging at me in the film because you mm. know i'd see a scene and they'd be saying like they'd literally be describing what's going on they'd be like be patient or they're here or you know be careful uh, yeah, like things that you just like placeholders like if when you're writing the script like you just put these things in and then try and find something interesting for them to say but it's like they didn't even bother trying to find a more interesting version of whatever was there and they just went with that because they're like people aren't going to be listening anyways they're just going to be looking at the screen mm. I mean, I found ourselves saying the same thing when we discussed Brahmastra last. I'm sorry to mention, <laughs> <laughs> but we literally said the exact same lines, placeholders, and not finding a better alternative. And it, it's sad that we are mentioning both of them in the same breath. But uh, but yeah, the gist is that right? Like that. That's exactly what it is. Some do it worse, like Brahmastra, and and for me, Way of Water sort of tanked because of. um because of just that you know that lack of focus on the and that lack of humor the lack of wit that we you mentioned in early cameron is absolutely there was wit in titanic as well you know the the entire sort of uh, you know the entire class divide and the the, the side characters and you know the kathy bates character then there's nothing of that sort in both the avatar films put together this film is particularly more humorless or even witless than the previous one because uh, as you said and as i even suspect uh, this is made by the cameron who knows that he needs to churn out the biggest blockbuster of all time and who is very aware of his reputation as this maverick uh, and who uh, who is almost a savior 
in a sense of old fashioned entertainment and who wears the weight of that on his shoulders and who now has and and you know the the funny part about all this and knowing that this is clearly made by that this cameron who's very aware of what he is but mm-hmm. the funny part is that this is supposed to be his most personal film as well because it's about so if you've been you reading know, I can believe that it, yeah. it has because it has that kind of like he takes so much time with the family dynamics they're really not interesting yeah but yeah. you can see that he's invested in it it yeah. obviously like that the whole part of the fatherhood and you know that the father yeah. must protect the family and everything and and with the rebellious uh, uh, younger son mm. and and the sort of lost uh, adopted daughter it's it's it is deeply felt it just doesn't kind of come across in a manner that is i think as interesting to us as it is to him yeah exactly and so like obviously it is so i read a couple of interviews a while back about cameron and his making of this avatar and and it was a very insightful sort of interview um where he basically said that he is grappling with the, his entire his relationship with his children in the last 8 or 9 or 10 years obviously more often because he's been at home more often in mm-hmm. in this time otherwise he's been traveling as a filmmaker uh, sort of wowing the world and not had time for his children or watching them grow up or his family in general which is why he's had so many divorces as well and this is you know his fifth marriage if i'm not mistaken and the children that he's sort of um, I, I, and the fact that this avatar is about a family that moves from one place to another uh and then grows closer in the new place because it's alien to all of them also sort of echoes cameron's own move to new zealand recently uh, in you know in the last couple of years with his family sort of uprooting them from la and hollywood and you know where, wherever the entire sort of the the sort of uh, gaze of uh, showbiz in general and you know sort of settling in new zealand and and him probably having to deal with a lot more uh, a, a lot more time at home and having to deal with the the you know contradictions and the perils and the pleasures of uh, watching his children grow up and still being distant to them because he's never been the parent that's been around and that's all very much reflected and this is all said in an interview more or less and this is very much reflected in the premise of this avatar um and as you said you know it's all he spent so much time on that it's deeply felt on his part but why do you think it doesn't come across say as compared to personal films from other uh, storied filmmakers say like martin scorsese uh, pulled off something vaguely personal with irishman or or even tarantino's pulled off something personal with you know once upon a time in hollywood because that expressed their mm. sort of grappling with existentialism late life existentialism with crisis with sort of aging with uh, mortality uh, but this is about family which is something cameron himself has been going through as as um, um as bit of a you know given that he's been a taskmaster as a filmmaker all his life the fact that two of his sons call him sir here and more of his foot soldiers is more or less the formal relationship he's shared with his kids while he was growing up so why do you think that cameron's personal film comes across as a little more cosmetic and plastic as compared to other famous filmmakers more personal films I don't I I I mean I think uh, it not to labor a point too much but definitely a function of the writing the films that you would mention before this are uh, you know some of the better written films that I've watched in recent years 
and uh, the avatar films are some of the worst written blockbusters that i've ever seen uh, so there is that and uh, you may be right in the sense that just the whole blockbusterness of it and the sort of the just the weight of like the idea of that all of this is created the whole density of the images might just overtake the you know the the emotional thrust of the storytelling it gets at some point it's just um, it's it's all very overwhelming and uh, the human story kind of looks a bit small compared to like everything else that uh, cameron is putting on screen uh, also it's just you know uh, it's it you have to work like extra hard when you're not telling a story about humans but you want to make it a human story uh, half the time i was just uh, trying to figure out which brother it was uh, uh, because you know with the blue skin and all it's a little difficult to tell sometimes and um, especially when they're all in the water you know kind of a little difficult to figure out so i uh, like just you know whenever something rebellious was happening i figured it was the younger brother and whenever he is being a good son i figured it was the older one yeah but uh, yeah it's it it's it i don't know it's it's there's something a little um, you can see where the effort is but it just uh, somehow there is a, a disconnect and maybe other people are moved more uh, by this it's it's well possible i i've seen some people who are quite moved and they like sam worthington's performance and they liked uh, the um, the uh, the older daughter who is uh, by the way played by sigourney weaver Uh, which is weird because she's playing a, a teenager, and, but uh, it uh, it kind of uh, I don't know. It's a, there there was a weird disconnect out there. Was uh, t- uh, what were your uh, viewing conditions like? Like uh, you said, you didn't see it in IMAX. Neither did I, mm. and it wasn't much of a much of too much of an audience. I saw a fairly early show, not a very early show, but a fairly early morning show on Saturday. and i think there were about 10 to 15 people in the hall with me uh, not as much as i would have uh, expected and uh, one thing which was very different and this might go into your whole has avatar left a cultural footprint that very long argument that went on for years uh, was that uh, i did not feel that engagement from them to the film as a franchise like as a entity in itself i mean they were reacting to whatever was happening in the film but uh, like for example we've gotten so used to it now with the superhero films like a character appears on screen people start clapping or you know something happens and they they feel like there's going to be you know a revelation of some kind or something in that world that's important to that world happens and there's a reaction from the audience out here there's really nothing there needn't have been a first film for all it mattered um all the characters just turned up on screen as absolutely no one cared uh so i don't know was it different in yours no it was more or less the same like there were like 15 to 20 people at max and uh, and a lot of them as you said were reacting in the moment to the film some of them were enjoying it some of them were not but there was uh, i think like one couple behind me maybe who um who was recognizing the characters basically from you know 
the first film either i'm guessing it's from the first film maybe they've refreshed their memory by watching the first film and then coming to watch the second one but um i'd be hard pressed to find anyone who's been like going crazy waiting for a sequel to the first film uh given that it's taken 13 years like you when there's a immensely successful first film and when you don't know it's going to be a franchise there are always fans calling for a sequel or calling for a creation of a franchise and i don't think that's happened with avatar which leaves it in a weird position where they work maybe individually as isolated uh installments um and it could not like the first avatar may have been just like a one minute back story if all you needed um because you know the colonel sort of returning and all that it doesn't make much of a difference if you don't remember it either because there are flashbacks in this as well and uh, so i don't see like a lot of people uh, really looking for that it's down to the cultural footprint argument whether cameron would like to admit it or not it's it's kind of true because we live in that kind of age where um, where a sequel must mean something in relation to the first film and to the next film um, and you know in terms of the franchise as well and and this works this if this does work and i'm guessing it will uh, it's is very much a very much isolated film on its own and like it's it's just uh, and it's weird because you know the whole entire point of avatar is to build a new world and to build a new sort of in a way build a new franchise uh, that never existed before um and something of this scale which has never been done before but then that world itself the terminology and the um you know it, it's not sort of catchy enough or not it hasn't caught on enough with a lot of uh, audiences across the world i don't think children growing up in the 2000s uh they'd be in an awkward position after you know pretty much growing up into their 20s by now and seeing the next avatar uh it isn't like jurassic park where you know people were actually looking forward to a sequel never mind that the sequels were pretty terrible um but you know it, it's 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 a weird sort of um franchise in that sense and and the funny part is it's entirely original and um and my experience even in the hall sort of seemed to say that I don't think they are coming because they love the first avatar they are just coming because it's James Cameron and it's his next film. Yeah, I um I I also wish they'd managed to kind of get a more compelling antagonist. I thought uh, Giovanni Ribisi was very weak in the first film. uh not a not a memorable villain at all and uh, stephen lang who plays miles corrich in the first film and in the second film i don't know why people are rating him highly because uh, it's just a very uh, a monotonic kind of uh, parody of uh, an american military man performance and it's extremely boring and uh, it's it would have been interesting to have like an antagonist with some personality considering that there is only one antagonist in this so it like we keep coming back to him but it's nothing he's just not interested at all he's almost like the terminator but he doesn't even have like that sort of deadpan humor of the terminator so it's just uh, i don't know i i thought it was a big missed opportunity out there considering that in a lot of these um, we were just discussing that you know in the in the marvel films uh, nowadays the villains are turning out a lot more interesting 
than the superheroes themselves and uh, carrying the films and in a lot of dc films actually also in the batman films for example so it's not um, yeah I, i think that was another uh maybe it's just a cameron thing that he considers himself kind of above these things which he sees as trends and he just wants to do his own thing and maybe you know maybe he'll be successful doing that but uh, i don't know it's a, it's to have to make like the most successful film of all time or like the top 3 most successful films of all time every time you make a film to be able to continue doing the same series it's such a weird situation you know i don't even i mean it makes me feel tense as a viewer <laughs> like I, I, I like and frankly you know cameron is now what like i think he's uh, he's uh, almost uh, in his uh, 70s um uh, i think um, it's i don't think we are ever going to see a non avatar cameron film now uh, he's 68 and he's going to make like what four avatar movies or three more avatar movies i think he has plans for even if they don't all come out i mean and even if they come out a little quickly by the time he's done with this universe and god knows if he wants to produce further films in it that will be it i mean it's it's going to be the way that um, uh, you know the the lord of the rings uh, went that you know he uh, the director could never really get out of it um, so, sorry i'm forgetting peter jackson mm-hmm. you know he made those three films and then he made the hobbit films and then that was kind of it like he kind of did passion projects after that but we never really got like uh the kind of feature films that uh, we could have got from him and uh, i think it's going to be the same uh, with cameron now i think this is the last i mean he's going to uh, basically this is going to be the rest of his life i haven't heard a sadder thing this year honestly um because i mean i've loved most of cameron's movies and uh especially his 90s and 80s films but um yeah it's sad when a franchise sort of becomes so big that it really more or less ends the career of of you know like a storyteller like cameron or peter jackson as you mentioned which is completely right um and it's sad and you know that that's funny because peter jackson one of the later films they produced was directed by steven spielberg the tintin film if you remember 10 years Brilliant. ago something yeah yeah so again you know that also was path breaking in terms of the technology it used right like uh, yeah. it was a it was a new thing back then like the entire stop motion thing and and the entire film made with particular kind of effects um and you know for a lot of us it was a childhood flashing on screen before us uh, because we had been most of us had grown up uh, reading those comics and that was the kind of film or the kind of adapted material that where the effects and where the story of the making of the film did not uh, really overwhelm the storytelling itself because you know comic the tintin sort of series in general is a playful um, nice little thing and and those one shot sequences we remember very well in that film which were brilliantly yeah. done and yeah. which at the same time don't overwhelm our memory of those films and our joy we felt while watching that particular film but again you know it, it's sad that cameron will make a couple of these more avatar movies and that's it in terms of his career as a director because there was a time earlier in last decade i think he considered not making a avatar film again or not directing a film again altogether and it was avatar it, it was you know his 
experiences with his family that brought him back into the avatar universe with something to say and <clears throat> his something to say is going to be in on this scale now for the next couple of films and i'm i'm not sure i feel too happy about that and uh, because you know uh, even in this film it's it's all very clunky in a sense like you said uh, right you know you said rightly that it almost feels like he's above a lot of these tropes and he's going to do his own thing because he's cameron so doesn't he doesn't need to have an interesting villain he doesn't need to have humor because he's already he, he's already created the world for us and we should be uh, appreciating that with a, which a lot of us do but i think i've reached a stage where i need more than that uh, I, i can't just be blown away by this beautiful world that he's created uh, from scratch and i can't just appreciate the work that's gone in there without the work that's going into the texture of the writing of the world and there are times when the colonel's character who and which he's with the human kid uh, who's spider in this film and was mm. father and son in their own way little story happening on the side um there are times when they disappear for like 30 35 40 minutes in the narrative because we are seeing the integration of the family into the into the water environment and uh, there are times when the you know those just the colonel when he is training to be a navi uh in the forests with yeah. uh, the help of the kid uh, those feel like random superficial inserts that are building up to the climactic battle uh you know they don't feel heartfelt they don't feel logical they don't feel even organic uh, no. a lot of what feels organic is what we are seeing the children in the in the reef uh, sort of um, community uh, yeah. but lot of what the colonel is going through feels random you know like it just put in to remind us that the villain is still around he's going to come back and he uses that whaling vessel to come back and which felt like a very weird sort of moby dick free willy sort of thing happening there also uh, but uh, yeah it, it just felt like a little clunky yeah. in that and this is going to keep happening you're not going to see that the third avatar will have a very sophisticated or or a more complex or a more uh you know feeling storyline or a more uh storyline with subtext because even here the ecological battle is also almost muted compared to the personal battle it's here mm-hmm. it's more about revenge it's not really about earth wanting to colonize the uh, the pandora it's it's, it's about no, i think to- that's going to be left for the next one i think will there'll probably be like they'll all of pandora will unite and then there'll be like a huge battle and it'll be like the 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 avengers end game or something like that i'm already like feeling fatigue saying <laughs> these words uh but you were also mentioning spider and and that's a bit sad because that uh, the, the, i thought uh, that was my favorite character and my favorite performance in the film and uh, i thought that the film kind of gained a little bit of interest whenever he landed up on screen i i liked the energy of that performance Yeah. but uh, again as you said like he kept disappearing and uh, cameron and the writers had to keep coming up for ways to kind of bring him back into the film uh, because uh, it wasn't quite you know it's like he's working as an interpreter for the human forces and stuff like that so yeah i didn't it's uh, you'd mentioned tom cruise earlier it's it's a bit weird how like the whole uh, the responsibility of saving the theatrical experience seems to sort of make james cameron heavier 
like yeah. with each successive film and it seems to make cruise lighter somehow even though both of them have like the same seriousness when they talk about it but cruise sort of has this uh, he's just gained the sort of beautiful lightness in his last couple of films uh, and uh, cameron has become you know a little heavier and uh, you know soggier mm, that that's an excellent point the old tom cruise feeling lighter um once he knows that he is the actual savior of the theatrical experience and which he succeeded at uh, you know greatly earlier this year uh, yeah. because if you look at it tom i mean top gun maverick was terribly written but uh, you know like the corniness that he went with, with, with without the self seriousness was amazing like it just uh, and even the dialogue was so meta on its own and so campy so horrible but it just felt like a nice little in joke on the people who want to see the theatrical experience rescued and uh, i don't even think like it needs to be rescued but it just it's nice to create that kind of narrative because our generation is sort of seeing such a big transition into a different kind of theatrical experience and we are still getting nostalgic and melancholic about the 90s and the 2000 early 2000s also back when the theatrical experience still defined by the superstar director or the superstar actor rather than just a bunch of crazy superheroes just throwing things at each other uh, but yeah it, it's it's uh, it shows in cameron the the way it shows the only nice little moment in avatar 2 which i have to note i felt towards the end of the film i saw the role reversal between the children and the parents where you know the 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 son who's the black sheep of the family sort of helping his father survive in an air pocket and this mm-hmm. is intercut with the daughter with the adopted daughter teri uh, kiri helping the mother sort of come out of the ocean before you know uh, when both of them are in crisis and that was a nice little moment which i felt that i felt like that that whole role reversal and the children suddenly having to be caregivers in the most unusual circumstances two parents who have been heroes all their lives um i feel like that was something that cameron might have done well to pursue more often through this film rather than just bringing uh, jake sully back towards the end and saying okay we are ready for the third one or rather than making him the one who's trying to who's basically berating his kids throughout the film only to realize that you know they have the courage that uh, children of a leader need to have towards the end that entire role reversal is something i would have been interested to see explored more often in this film because that would mean that the story is willing to be vulnerable and not just cameron by telling the story of a family and the relationship between a father and his children a distant father and his children who's a hero to the rest of the world but who's struggling to be a hero to his own kids which is pretty much his story and and it would have been nice if i saw a little more truth the truth that i saw in that scene throughout the film yeah i think uh, yeah i think that's pretty much it from me yeah. i i liked when uh, uh, when the uh, the quaritch uh, character says he'll bring back scalps because yeah. uh, that's again like a very pointed reversal of the sort of where you know you have indigenous people uh, in films as antagonists for for like hundred for like a hundred years they were the one who would be scalping and like the virtuous white hero would be the one who would be trying to escape and out here it's like the you know the colonizers who are scalping so i thought that was a nice line like a l- one small little bit of 
pointed writing in a very long film. Uh, also, like shout out to Payakan, the very good-looking Tulkun <laughs> creature. Uh, sea creature who might feel uh, feel a little neglected this uh, in Avatar 2, but who is expected to make uh, or to play at least uh, a bit of a starring role in the next few films because he becomes a best friend because he's an outcast and a killer whale of sorts himself and becomes a best friend of the um, the son who's the black sheep who's Loak and uh, yeah I was very whale subtitles who saw that coming oh yeah actually there were. Yeah, I spoke in their own little sign language as well. So yeah, I mean, anyways, um, yeah, I think pretty much it for me though. Do you any? Yeah, one last thing. Thoughts? Did you think about the score, which annoyed the hell out of me? Uh, I, uh, I'm kind. I was kind of uh, resigned to whatever it was, so it didn't. Uh, I don't think it bothered me because uh, it sounded exactly like the first film score. Which I didn't like either. But that's so unimaginative. Like you're going through so much to like create. The, I can't get over these things. These most basic things. Like you're going to so much to create a soundscape of a new world, a new language, a new everything. And the score it feels like it belongs to like a Forrest Gump of the '90s. That very sentimental American uh, orchestral sort of uh, you know that 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 everything is a crescendo sort of thing because every scene is supposed to be. uh supposed to be great and memorable so it just it felt very unimaginative and uninspired because it could have been so much better or funkier and this is the one thing i realized while watching a black panther film or like like any other superhero film they tend to at least ex- experiment with things like that around the visuals if not the visuals themselves because they seem to be at a loss to do what to do in the last half an hour with all the visual effects they have at hand but the music is something that we've seen consistent evolution with lot of experimentation not all of it hits home but this this just reeked of playing safe and playing being traditional for the heck of being traditional and like being old fashioned for the heck of it it just felt like a very forgettable uninspired score even in the end when this there's grief and there's death of a primary character and you know there's a lot of going on the score just refuses to go beyond that It is '90s Spielberg swish, you know. It's just very weird, and I needed to mention that because I needed to get it off my chest. Uh, it was one of the things that sort of conveyed to me what Cameroon may not have done right with this film. Though I'm sure this film will pretty much work across the world, and there will be a next film as well. So, uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it from uh, both of us. So there's nothing else, right? For from your Side. No, no, I no nothing, nothing for this. Yeah, so that's it for the uh, for Avatar: The Way of the Water, which has been in the making since we were toddlers, and uh, it has finally released. It's it's playing all over the world. Go watch it. Uh, let us know how you feel about it. I didn't like it uh, very much at all. For that, it did work uh, considerably better. Uh, and uh, we will be back in the next couple of weeks again. uh hopefully talking about our year enders and our favorite films this year as well as the kerala film festival we just attended some of our titles uh, some of our picks there so that you can look out for it on streaming platforms over the next year just records of sorts and uh, uh, hopefully we talk about you know a, a, a film a south korean film that both of us very much 
are in love with and that we watch for the uh, second time on and first time on the big screen at the festival called Decision to Leave Park Wan Chook's new film. We'll maybe later this year once Uday does write about it. Once we are done with our year enders, uh, we will be talking about these films. So stay tuned till the end of the year. We are not done yet. And um, either way, Merry Christmas for what's coming up and Happy New Year. And uh, we hope you had a good time listening to this. Let us know what you felt about the film and do write into us on Twitter.